Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Father, we are hungry for your word. Show us Christ Jesus in the pages of scriptures. Give us the revelation of yourself as your word is taught. Father, I submit and humble myself under your influence. I pray that you use me to be a blessing to your people, including myself. Holy Ghost, come upon me. Let your word come unadulterated. That at the end of the day, sicknesses will be healed. Those who are discouraged will be encouraged. The weak will be made strong. The confused will will receive direction. The lost shall be saved. The backsliding shall be restored. Father, the brokenhearted will be healed. The blind shall see. Oh Lord, I pray that as I teach your word, let light, let illumination dawn on everyone who hears my voice, both in this building and beyond. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Extended grace is our theme for the month. Ezra chapter 9 verse 9. It says that even though we were slaves or we were in bondage or we are in bondage, yet, for we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage. God will not let you down. I said God will not let you down. Even though we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but has extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia. And so the first thing God did was when he came in to help us in our bondage, he says that he, Bible said he extended mercy. The same word, grace, okay, or loving kindness or favor. He extended it for us in the sight of the Persian king. In other words, the powers and the authorities that be, there is a way God can touch their hearts when your time comes. He will touch their heart. Extended grace has to do with making people who under normal circumstances will not favor you, will not listen to you, will not consider you. God making them become personally interested in seeing your well-being and your welfare. Some man or a woman who in the past would have said, no, you are not my type, is now busily positioning herself for you to see her and propose to her. That's when extended grace is working. Listen, to be married, you need favor. Before you get married, you need favor before the one who will choose you. Because you can't force yourself on anybody. It doesn't matter how you think you are pretty. You can't force yourself. Some women do that, though. They try to force themselves on men, but it doesn't work. Later on, they are offended. Now, you can't force yourself on anybody to marry you. And you can't, as a man, you can't force yourself on someone that you are going to be my wife. You know, you know, you know, the Lord told me. The Lord told me. When people come to me with excessive, God said, God said, I don't listen to them. They are phony usually. Everything God said. God said. God told me I should sit here. God told me I should do this. God told me I should do that. You don't tell us God. You keep doing. Let's see the result. We will know God told you. (laughs) Some people use that to buy favor or to buy respect. Hey, as for this person, God speaks to her or God speaks to him. Normally, it's very common with people who want to look spiritual. And they... You can shake and gyrate. It does not mean you are actually connected to God. I'm not saying that anyone who shakes and gyrates on their phone. No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that sometimes people use that. So sometimes someone asks you, call people. If you are sick or something, come forward. And they come and stand in front of you. Sometimes you have to take the Bible. Let's pray for common people who have some level of spiritual and common sense so even to be married you have you need you the man you need favor before the so you need extended grace laying on of hands alone is not enough 
I lay hands on you. Hey, every spiritual marriage, hey, every spiritual marriage, we break it, we break it. But afterwards, now you need to be noticed and someone must be interested. You are receiving favor. You are receiving favor. Application for a job. It takes favor to get a job. Pastor David Oyedepo told us some time ago that you, it, you, you don't buy a house or a land with just money. You buy with favor. And we saw it in our sister's life. There was someone who wanted to pay more. They were paying less. But the owner of the house said, you know what? We don't know why we just like you. We want you to have our house. We want to sell it to you. We don't want to sell it to those Chinese couple. Even though they had more money. So someone shout favor. The louder you shout, the closer it gets to you. Shout favor! But listen to me, brothers and sisters. Favor in the Lord is a function of your work with the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. Everything in Christianity rises and falls with, uh, based on how much of the Holy Ghost is involved. So if you don't engage the spirit of God, you'll be disengaged from your destiny, your God-given destiny. It takes the spirit of God. It takes, let's all say it takes the spirit of God. So there's, there's a scripture that I stumbled across that was a blessing to me and um, it's not one of my major texts, but you need to see it on the screen. Then we go to John chapter 14. In Acts chapter 13, Ah, I love this. Oh, Jesus. Acts chapter 13. You need the Holy Ghost. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Any Christian work that does not engage the Holy Spirit is actually not Christian work. It's religion. So a church that doesn't, de- that doesn't depend and engage the Holy Spirit is not actually doing the church work. They're just, they've moved into religion. We only remain fresh in the presence of God when the Spirit of God is in us. Church, this is the definition of church. The definition of church is man plus God fused together to become one entity. Okay. Man or God mingling, let me use this word, mingling himself with us so much that you can't separate the two. So God and man, it takes God God alone cannot have church. Man alone cannot have church. God alone can't have church. That is why Jesus had to come. In the wilderness, what they were having was not was a type of church, but it wasn't the actual church. We are the body of Christ. Last Friday, I was sharing with some people, when, in the New Testament, when you see the word church, actually it's a New Testament word. Church is not an Old Testament word. It's a New Testament. The Greek word is ecclesia, ek, out, and keleo, call out. So we call. So keleo is call, and then ek, out. So we are called out. Some of us have been called out, but we stay so much in. We, we do not have to impress the world around us to feel that we are nice people. We don't have to try and impress them. We have to engage the Holy Spirit and he'll begin to work on them. That's how church works. And when you read the New Testament in Matthew chapter, this is not part of my text, but I think it's good to do that. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build what? My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my word. Church. This church is the universal church, which is different from the church in Matthew chapter 18 verse 17. In Matthew 18 17, he said, when someone offends you, and you go and talk to the person, doesn't listen to you, tell it to the church. All right, and so he says that, but if he refuses to hear you, tell it to the church. This is the local church. So Jesus spoke about church in two ways, the universal church and the local church. And everybody alive, if you are Christian, you must be part of a local church. You don't say, I mean, when I wake up, where the Lord tells me to go is where I go. You are not a serious Christian. You are not, God can't use you much. 
because you must be part of a local church accountable in a local church we know you you know us you are serving you are we are serving you you are serving us it's 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 a, a beautiful mutual union you give we give and that's how the body bible talks about ephesians chapter 4 by the uh, by that which every joint supplies ephesians 4 16 and 17 it talks about by that that the body grows it grows up by that with every joint from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share Every part of my, I go, uh, I go. You see, it's not your giving offerings that makes you very useful to a church. It's part of your well, offering. Is part of worship. You can't worship without giving. No, offering is part of worship. Tithing is part of worship. If you are a worshiper, you'll be a giver to the object of your worship. That's right. So those who don't give. They are not worshippers. They are users. They want to use God as a pimp to get what they want. You, are, you must be part of a local church where you are useful. You contribute. Not financial. It's part of, it's part, financial is part of your worship. But you, you do something. Use your energy. Use your intellect. Use your, uh, your, your abilities to serve the local church to a certain dimension as you are given the opportunity. Because people who serve get noticed by others who serve. So, now, you must be useful in the context of a local church. So, Jesus, now watch this. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. When you, okay, when you read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, 21, it talks about him being seated far above principalities and powers and was given. He said that far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but the age to come. Look at verse 22. And uh, he put all things under his feet. Talking about Jesus, the his, Jesus' feet, okay? And gave Jesus to be the head over all things towards the church. Now, this church is talking about the universal church. Anybody who is born again anywhere, a genuine Christian, anywhere in the world is part of this. We are all one body. But much of the New Testament, when you read it very carefully, you don't even have to read it carefully. If you open your eyes, anytime you see church in the much of it is referring to the, is making reference to the local church. It's not making reference to the universal church. Read the epistles. The epistles were always pointing to the local church. In Romans chapter 16, verse 1, it says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant. You see, this is what we, are. we need Phoebes. Phoebes. The servant to the church. The church in Sincrea, not the general church. The church in Sincrea, Sincrea. The church in Sincrea. The church in Caris. The church in London. The church meeting in Victoria. You are a blessed, you are a servant. You must make yourself a servant to the church. God recognizes that heavily. No wonder the apostle said, I commend such a one to you. If you want someone to marry, I commend Phoebe to you. Servant to the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, it spoke about the church, local churches. It spoke about to the church of God which is at where? Corinth. Not everywhere. The church of God which is at Corinth. Talking about a particular church in Acts chapter 5, verse 11, verse 11. And great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard it. Talking about when Ananias and Sapphira lied. When they lied. All right. So it's talking about church. That all the church there talking about the church in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, verse 1 spoke about now great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. Talking about a local church. Everybody say local church. Local say local church. Romans chapter 16, verse 21. It, there are so many references I can give you, but so, permit me to just indulge myself in mentioning a few. I, Tertullius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Let's go to 21. Is that okay? Let's, let's indulge in the scriptures. Now, find out that when you read the New Testament, take notice of the names. It tells you a lot about the way the church life should be. It said, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipita, my countrymen greet you. These are people, when Paul was, Romans is for 16 chapters. This is the end of Romans. 
Now you begin to give greetings. This one is greeting you. This one says hi. This one. And look at the people whose name he mentioned. Do you know who he started with? He started with Phoebe. Verse 1. He started with Phoebe. Then he went to Priscilla and Aquila. Romans 16 verse 1. Then Priscilla and Aquila. Verse 2 and 3. People who have laid down their, their necks for me. Talking about Priscilla and Aquila. Then he went. After mentioning a few. Went. He said, Timothy, my fellow worker. I like the King James. He said, my work fellow. My fellow work. My, <laughs> I like that one. Work fellow. Hallelujah. Paul calling Timothy, Timotheus, the same, give him a new King James, Timothy, his fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipita, his countrymen. Other translations say, my kinsmen. Other translations say, the NIV said, my relatives. My relatives, my relatives. So his relatives were also working in the church with him. He said, these guys greet you. Then look at the next verse. I like this one. And I, Tertullius, the one who was doing the writing, he said, me too, I greet you. Ah, are you ready for the next one? Verse 23, listen to this. Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church. We need some Gaius. Yes. You have to open your house for K-group. Yes. We need some Gaius. Gaius is the one who is right, Tertullius' host. He said, he, he hosts me and the church. He hosts the church in his house. He said, such a person we can't forget when we are mentioning him. He too, he greets you. Yeah. <laughs> you see the people God recognizes? These are the people God recognizes. And listen to this. Listen to this. Erastus, the treasure of the, the treasurer of the city. These are big guys. They are all part of the church. You can imagine Erastus' usefulness to the extent that they have to mention his name. Now, when he said that the host of the church, he's not talking about the, the universal church. He's talking about the local church. Let alone to get to Revelations. Colossians, uh, Galatians chapter 1 verse 2. Revelation chapter 1 verse 4 and verse 11. I like Revelation. Revelation chapter 1, it talks about verse 4. He says that these things write. He says that John to the seven churches which are in, eight, not everywhere. So this word churches is referring to local churches. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, he, Revelation chapter 1, verse 11, it says that saying, I am the Omega, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. So when you hear people telling you, as for me, I'm a Christian and I go anywhere, I don't have a local church, that tells you that they are, they are, they are missing out on the New Testament model. The New Testament model is local churches. Because local churches are the local representatives, representation of the entire body of Christ. And your usefulness in the local churches is a reflection of your usefulness in the, in the eyes of God. Now, there are people who say, me, I know I've been called for the body of Christ. I'm going to do so much for the body of Christ. Start with the local church. And as you do it, and you do it like Isaac Motovo, where you see Isaac Motovo, is he still in the building? Yes, La rise to your feet. Last two weeks, he went to Uganda for, uh, to go and see his dad. And when he went, he went to minister in one of the biggest churches, most reputable church, churches in Uganda. Why? That's not his local church, but because he's, he's done it so well in his local church, now doors are beginning to open beyond the confines of his local church. Are you getting one? So, now, when you come into, if you think you are supposed to be a member of a church like here, one of the things you should start thinking about, what can I do in this church? Well, don't ask what the church can do for you. Some of us, all we want is when you are in trouble, you want a letter from the church or you want loan from the church. I don't even know why people, it should come into their mind that church should give me money to go and pay a bill or pay something. That really is not godly. Satan usually is behind that kind of thinking. <laughs> it's a hard saying, but some people may not understand. You read, your, read the New Testament, you will see that the model is clear in the New Testament. And he said, no, okay, but the church said, take care of the widows and people, those who had need. Everybody brought in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, verse 34, that was, and there was none who had need in the church for all those who had, uh, those who had brought things to the apostles' feet and then it was distributed to everyone who had need. Acts chapter uh, uh, verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed it to each, each one. No, when we see you have a need, we will make sure we help you. In 1 Timothy, he said, 
He said, the widows, who are widows indeed? Mm-hmm. So whoever determines the indeed is those who have asked, who are doing that, we are responsible. Those who are widows, some people are not widows indeed. Zimothy, where are they? Because they've made themselves widows and they are trying to now use the church because they think that, ah, I can get money from church. So if you make the church your source of provision, that is not godly. But in the, in the, in the, in the time of crisis, church leaders and welfare can come and help you know, but if you are actually a, a serious giver to a church, there never arises a situation where you, you need a welfare from church. I've been a pastor and an active, I've been in ministry since 95. How long is that now? 21 years. I'm talking about full-time ministry. That's all I'm doing. 25 years now. And I've been in, in, in pastoral work for a while now. And I've discovered that, two things I've discovered, you will like what I'm about to say. People who go from conference to conference, Program to program, pray for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. They never progress in life properly. The things, things don't really work. The covenant blessing doesn't manifest on their lives. Check it. You, some of you know some people. You know your uh, uh, some aunties and normally it starts with women first. You know some aunties and some. <laughs> they've gone for one prophet, prophet one, prophet two, prophet three, prophet four. Pro- prophetic meeting, deliverance meeting upon deliverance meeting, and it's the same problems they normally tend to have. It does not change. I normally say, why would you change a church? You change churches. Three churches within two years in one city. Then it means that the problem is you. You are not growing. I've been there. I've been here. I've been in this church. I've been in this church. No, it's not something nice to be talking about. How many churches you have been in. Because it doesn't speak well of your spiritual maturity. It's a reflection of your immaturity. Your infantileness. It's pediatric behavior. So, it's, I've been a church, in church leadership for a while now, and I've seen people who, have been, who are always running from meeting to meeting, shaking, shaking. Most of people who shake a lot, it looks like they don't engage their brains a lot. <laughs> now, I'm not saying shaking doesn't make you. Those who go differently are always shaking. No, no, check. You check. You check. You, you, you check. <laughs> and then they go to that meeting. <laughs> Another meeting. <laughs> Every meeting. <laughs> they, they are not doing much with their lives. No, I believe in shaking. I believe in shaking. If you feel like shaking, sister, shake. If you feel like falling, fall. If you feel like rolling, sister, roll, brother, roll. But those who have made that their job, most of the time, you realize that you can't focus on them as a church leader. Because they zap your energy. And it doesn't, there's no productivity. Now, so by experience, People who go from one meeting to the other, always looking for help, usually stay like that for a very long time. Two, people who are always thinking that church must give them something, church must give them something, they always tend to need welfare. I've I've seen that people who are always thinking, how can I give to God's work? How can I give? Situations are such that they don't get to a state where church has to rescue them. We don't have to organize a bailout program for them. Check it and see. People who say, hey, when, this was the final, if you are, if, if you give tithe at a certain level and you stay faithful, you never go low. You never go low. You never go low. You actually go higher, 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 higher. But those who play hide and seek, hide and seek with God today, okay, tomorrow, okay, oh, this one is too much. And then you divide your, your tithe. This one must go to that prophet. This one too must go here. This one must go to save. People say that, but if I give the money to church, why? I'm going to make a statement here. It's necessary. Why should I give it to church? Because when I was coming to church, there's someone who hasn't eaten, sitting by the roadside. And I, so I gave my offering to them. Why don't you stay there and have church with them and let them? Let, let. But you're coming to listen to the music here. You are coming to... Whose money should we use to buy this one? This one. Oh, but God will provide. That's why he's sending you here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so are you trying to say, I know what you are thinking. I'm trying to say we shouldn't give to the needy. Why not? Give to them, but not God's own. <laughs> nah, nah. I don't agree. I don't agree. You, uh, do you think it's National Lottery that, national lottery that pays the hotel for? for <laughs> I don't know why people don't choose to use their thinking when it comes to spiritual things. 
Be objective. Say, it takes a lot to, if we have to send missionaries, which we are planning to do, send missionaries around the world, how do you think it gets done? Homelessness is a sign of irresponsibility in United Kingdom. If somewhere, it's different. Most people, intentionally, they don't want to work. They don't want to work. They don't want to work. We will help more people in India by bringing them to the cross. Thank you, Lord. That is how Africa, Brazil, and other parts of the world, that is how those places were evangelized. Missionaries, they went out and people were supporting them financially from the local churches. I can show you scripture in Philippians where Paul, Paul, Paul was doing 10th ministry. Read your Bible very well. He was doing it, but that was not always. Most of the time, he was being funded by the church. In Philippians chapter 4, he says that when I was in Thessalonica, no, no church supported me except you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, 16, 17. From 15, 16, 17. He said, no church. He said that now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for, for what? My need. The, the need to be able to do the gospel. Wow. I'm saying some interesting things. Because, listen, God sent me to be a blessing to somebody. But I, I discovered that blessing doesn't just come by saying, receive it, receive it. Ah, I speak, ah, receive it, receive it. Oh, no. Instructions must precede that one. She came to church within a few months. She heard the message on forgiveness, on uh, dealing with bitterness. Yeah. And she was filled of bitterness. She said she didn't even realize there was so much inside her. Yeah. And she decided to listen to the word and work with it. Now her marriage is already started getting oh. And she tapped into the declaration. But you have taken only declaration and you are not taking advantage of the instructions. You'll be restricted. You'll be declared comatose. <laughs> Is someone listening to me? Yes. So it's necessary to teach these things. There are people who are seated here who got in on God's program. They are going to be one of the strongest financiers of his work. Yes. But Satan has kept them on the shelf because they have not started the giving life. So they think, oh, I can't give all this money to church. I can't give all this money to church. I can't give all this money. There's no amount of money you give God which is too much for him. Mm. Say the church. So when you are thinking about extended grace and favor on your life, think about what God expects of you. before you, Because back on the screen, Ezra chapter 9, verse 9, he said that God extended mercy. He said, he did, not, he, he did not forsake us in our bondage, but extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us. Now, give me the New Living Translation, if you have it on the system. Now, it says to revive us, but I like the way the New Living Translation puts it, if you have it. For we were slaves, but in, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. That's extended grace. And watch this. He revived us so we could build. So the kings of Persia favored them, and God himself ought to revive them. So favor was coming, and God, by his spirit, charged them, stirred them up. That's revival. They are stirred in their spirit to do something for God. What The message I'm preaching is a revival message. Stayed in their spirit to do something for God. Well, after this message, if you still don't feel like I don't want to do anything for God, you haven't been revived. But if you feel like I think I have to do something, I think I have to do more for God, I think because you can do more for God. Actually, God wants more of you. So if you feel like that, that means that God is actually working in you. And please comply. 
Don't shut it down. No, 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 later, later. Procrastination is a thief of time. Yeah. The more you procrastinate, the more you delay what God can do in your life. Yeah. Yeah. The time is now. Yeah. The time is when? Now. In John chapter 14, when Jesus was about to leave them, that's my main text, and then we're done. We would like to come to church and jump and shout and jump and shout and jump and shout and jump and shout and jump and shout. And most of the time, it has its place. But that alone is not enough because you can't live your life on veg alone. <laughs> Every time you are eating fruits, you'll be very weak. <laughs> you won't be strong. You need some strong fiber in, in your system. Praise the Lord. What did I say? John chapter what? I was actually reading Acts chapter 13 earlier on, how they went to um, a place called, I think it's uh, Phrygia. Acts chapter 13, verse 6. We'll come to John in a minute. Acts chapter 13, verse 6. He said, now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, false, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. And uh, he, look at the next verse, proconsul and uh, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Pilus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But this bar Jesus, Elimas, his nickname, Elimas. Go to the next verse. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for so, uh, so his name is translated, we stood them seeking to turn the proconsul from the faith. There are people who always try to stop you from moving in faith with God. And most people who meddle in the occult will always desire to stop you. That's why the sister was talking about Freemason. Most, haven't you realized how the Jesus people tend to be marginalized in society? Yes, sir. Everywhere. They tend to want to marginalize us. Because of forces of darkness, they fear the name of Jesus. You can mention any other name, people will be fine. You can say, Inshallah, they'll be smiling with you. But if you say the name of Jesus, they look at you fine. What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? So, he was preventing and stopping the proconsul. And it was a spirit, a spiritual thing. When Reverend Piakofi came here last Friday, two Fridays ago, he was saying that once you are working the Holy Spirit and you, God has an assignment for you, those in the satanic world, they, pick, they notice you are around. They know we are here. They know we are here for a revival in this country. Shout yes. yes. So, so, this false prophet was trying to stop the proconsul, intelligent man. Can you imagine if he becomes a believer, how it will help the, the work of God? He was trying to stop him. And Paul, this is, what I, this is where I wanted to come to, verse 9. I like the verse 9. Let's all read it out together. Let's go, Saul. Loud, louder, let's go. Fill with the Holy Spirit. Look at it. Then Paul, Saul, who is also called Paul, feel, don't marginalize that phrase. Feel with the Holy Ghost. That is the biggest challenge in the church at the moment. Lack of infilling of the Holy Ghost. If the church can't do much, it's not because the church has not got money, but it's because the church is not allowing the Holy Spirit to feel us. When Bible says that when, Pastor, he said when they had prayed, Acts chapter 4, Verse 31. They prayed, verse 29. They said, God, behold their threatenings and grant that with boldness we will declare the name of the by stretching forth your hand that signs and wonders will be done in the name of your most holy child, Jesus. Now watch this, verse 31. He said, when they had prayed, they were praying for God to give them boldness. But when they were prayed, the place where they stood shook and something happened. And they were filled. They were filled. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing rain and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And tongue, clothing tongues of fire sat on everyone's head. And verse 4, Acts 2, 4, he said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What, you, you can't do anything from God outside the Holy Ghost. That's why in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, Jesus told them, wait, tarry, don't go. 
tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. For you have heard me say that not many days from now you shall you shall receive you shall receive the promise of the Father. In 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 the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 49, it says the same thing. He says that tarry ye, wait until you are endued with power. He said, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Power from on high. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So don't rush and try and do for God without the Holy Spirit coming strongly upon you. In other words, if you want to do anything for God, don't use your natural strength. Don't use just your intelligence because you are very intelligent in school, because you have a, a, a successful business, a, a business owner. It does not mean that God can have any use with you. Your usefulness in God has everything to do, your, to do with your burden. But the rod must bat. Christ must ooze out of you. But that must be the Holy Spirit on your natural ability. And he supernaturally inspired your natural ability to be able to do what only he can do. Takes the Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So he says that you shall be endured, you shall be endured with power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And Bible says Paul, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at the man intently. I like that. Someone say power past power. power. When it comes to power, there are levels of power. And God's power is above all power. The Holy Ghost power. Why? Because Paul looked at, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, look at him intently and see what he did. And he said, verse, verse 10, and he said, you son of the devil. I like that. He said, oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil devil, enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease to perfect the straight ways of the Lord? And he said, you, look at verse 10. He would say, it's not, Paul was not being Christian enough. Look at what he did. He said, now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Where? He's not Satan. God's hand came upon him. And what's going to happen? And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately, a dark, a, a, a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him there. And you know the resultant effect? Sir so Paulus did not believed. Look at, it. Look at the next verse. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teachings. When you read King James, at the doctrines of the law. This is the doctrine, New Testament doctrine. Oh, nice, nice. No, 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 no. Some people, if they stand in the way of the, of the Lord, we will be, the Holy Ghost come upon you. you have to, they have to be removed. They may not be killed, but they have to be removed. Because God's work must go forward. God's, you can buy me a house. If you make yourself like uh, 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 Jesus, Elimas, that's why I always pray, God, fill me. Holy Ghost, fill me. Holy Ghost, fill me. One of the reasons is so that I can take care of Elimas. (laughs) The gospel must be preached. But the point I'm making here is that it takes the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. Too many of us too many of us are like this. You know, sometimes you go, in, uh, you do a, go and do a, a blood test and they will tell you that your blood is low in iron. Yeah. Uh, you're very low in iron. No, you are, I know you are. You look slim, but you're fine. <laughs> they will tell you, some of us, some of us, your tongue is low, Holy Spirit. Mm. Holy Spirit is very low. You know what I'm talking about. Very low. You know all the songs we sing. You know the quotations, Matthew 8.20, but very low in Holy Ghost. You have been a Christian for 28 years, but very low in Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. And so if I were you, I like this. If I were you, I would concentrate the entirety of my Christian life pursuing the Holy Spirit. I want more of you, Holy Spirit. I want more of you. I give you more of myself. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh, Holy Spirit. Fill me. When Paul met the believers, he said, did you receive the Holy Ghost after you believe? It takes the Holy Ghost to do the work of God. It takes the Holy Ghost to do the work of God. When Mary said, how can these things be since I know no man? He said, don't worry. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Shout Holy Ghost. Don't make too much noise about how nice a person can sing. Don't make too much noise about how many quotations a person can quote. What we really need is how much the Holy Spirit has filled them. So that 
No man can take the credit. All the glory comes to the Spirit of God. Jesus, before he left, in John chapter 14, that's all I've been trying to quote since I started. <laughs> so now like, I can open my Bible. John chapter 14. <sighs> you are thinking God for extended grace. The reason why you extend grace is so he can revive you to do the work. Revival means Holy Ghost coming upon your life. That's what it is. So ex- extended grace means that time of more infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes extended grace a reality. Because, listen to the argument here. He gave them extended grace and revived them so they would build. Why did he give them the the grace? So that in in their attempt to build, the Persian kings will not restrict them. Will give them favors. But if you are not going to build, you don't need the favor from them. Why should God promote you if your, your, your money will not go into his work? You can be promoted. Go look. Everybody, people get promotion without God's involvement. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. But God cannot, cannot back some things if it's not to his, for his own purpose and to his glory and agenda. Believing God for contract. Believing God for opportunities. Believing God for marriage. And you are marrying to keep the man. You want to marry a church brother to keep him at home. Because yourself, you don't like going to church. You come so that one day you can find somebody to marry. But not because you're actually looking for God. You are marrying. Some people, you know, Sister, you know some guys come to church just because of some girls? Yes. Yeah. They come, they come, they, they behave like one of us. They come. But you know, sometimes even they, they, yeah, they, not, they don't only like sitting at the back. You know. <laughs> they come. They are, they are coming to look for a wife or a girl. Ah, don't you know what I'm talking about? People come, they say, actually, Caris have, uh, Caris, we have some of the nicest girls in town. Is it not true? Oh, is it not true? We have some of the nicest girls, uh, ladies in town. Carries. So they will come. They look at our Facebook pictures. Ah, hey, these girls are nice. These girls are nice. Let's go and look for some. At least, if that is what will make you come, come. But you come and meet me. Let me finish this quickly. <laughs> so, people can come to church for all kinds of reasons. People can come to church for all kinds of reasons. We're coming to look for, seek the Holy Spirit. Listen, the, this is the case I'm trying to make. As a Christian, don't believe, just, don't just believe God for money. Don't just believe God to win a court case. Don't just believe God for a job. Don't just believe God for a husband, a wife, or a child, a house. Believe God that his spirit will fill you. Hallelujah. And watch this. And make that your single pursuit. And he said, when you make that your single pursuit, God himself will make... Let me show you something. When that um, man, the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer, he had so much money. When he saw the move of the Holy Ghost, he offered Peter them some money. That can you give? Peter said, money, we have seen so much money. You can't, you can't intimidate us with how much money you bring. Let your money perish with you. You can't buy the, you can't hijack the work of God. Why? Because when, in Acts chapter 5, people were bringing money and putting it at the apostles' feet. Not, they were not using it. But it was there. Money, they've seen money. Why? Because the Holy Ghost was moving. we are working with the Holy Spirit, we always will have an upper hand in life. Amen. We will, anyone, let, you are, you, are, you are running a business, someone is also running a business, but they are using some evil spirit for customers, and you are using the Holy Ghost. Who should have more? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. But most of us, we are so low, we are so low in Holy Ghost, we are so low, so the people with the wrong spirit tend to even seem to have an upper hand. Christians, call out more for the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? That's what I'm talking about now. How did you do that? How did you do that? I, I think I'll, let me read the John 14 because I said I'll read it. John chapter 14 so that I can, I can finish this message. Because Lucy, if I don't read it, I can't finish it. Are you in John chapter 14? Is somebody learning something at all? 
John chapter 14. Did I say 14? Yes. Verse, um, actually, I think we should just read from verse 18 because of my time. But Jesus, verse, from verse 15, started talking about how God would do things for them. And started talking about how God would do things for them. And then um, he, verse 18, said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you shall live also. So we don't have to judge our lives by the way the world judges. Because the world don't see what we see. Remember that, very important. Now verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father. Let's all read it aloud. I, think we, we, I want us to read it before. I want to show you something. Let's go. Let's go. Can you read it out very loud? Let's go. So who is in who? Who is in who? Where are we? Is he in us or we are in him? It's, 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 it's called, we, we co-inhabit. Co-inhabit. He inhabits us, we inhabit him. That's very interesting. But mentally, how can that work? We are living in him and he's in us. He also lives in us. We live in him. How does, he said, it, it's a function of the Holy Spirit. In that day, so he started praying. He said, I'm not leaving you of comfortless. I'm coming back. I'm coming back in the person of the Holy Spirit. In the person of the spirit. So Jesus, after resurrection, he became a life-giving spirit and came to us as the spirit. So Romans chapter 8, it talks about the spirit. Not even so much as the Holy Spirit, but the spirit. The spirit. The spirit. The spirit. In Galatians, it's Romans chapter 8, in Galatians chapter um, um, 6, 18, I think Galatians 6, 18, somewhere there, it talks about how the, the Christ is the spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, uh, be with your spirits. So Christ, he deals with us from our spirits. In 1 Timothy, I think the last verse in 1 Timothy, which is supposed to be 1 Timothy chapter 6. But 2 Timothy chapter 4, rather, verse 24, somewhere there. It talks about Christ, grace, Christ be with your spirit, the grace of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 24, 23, somewhere there. Do you have it on the screen? Okay, maybe I went to 22, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22. The Lord, the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ be with what? Your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, see, it said grace. The other time said grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now it said grace. Jesus is grace. And where is he with you? In your spirit. Because he is the life-giving spirit. So when he came, uh, when he resurrected, watch this, when he was going, he said, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm coming back to you. How does he, he's coming in the in the person of the spirit. So you, he said, I am, that day you know that I'm in you and you are in me, I'm in the father. Then, how does it work? Watch this, watch this. Verse 21 of John chapter 14. How does it work? As I finish. He who has, ah, okay. <laughs> he who has my commandments See where responsibility comes in. Keeps them. It is he who loves me. I mean, this is a love issue now. It's moving into love. Love. He who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know why you are low in Holy Ghost? Your love factor. Love for God is so low. That's why you complain so easily. Love. Bible said, and Solomon, first Kings 3, 3, and Solomon loved the Lord. Solomon's biggest advantage in life was his love for God, just like his father. Christian sister, do you love God? It's your love for God that makes you very open to the Holy Ghost. Your love for God. One of my, what God has used to help me in life says, is if you hang around me a little bit, my wife will tell you, Pastor, I love God. I love God. If God doesn't give me anything in life, 
I will love him. Everything I, I have in life, everything I am in life is all invested in God. Because I love it. Sometimes uh, I give so much, I'm beginning to, remember my, I come to my sense, I'm thinking, ah, am I not doing something wrong? And it comes, I'm just, in church, I give, I just, I, I am, I'm a love addict. I love God. I love God. When you love God, it makes it easy for the Holy Spirit to come upon your life. Your love for God is, it, it matters. Some of us, our love for God is so questionable. We love things more than we love God. We come to God to use him to get things, but not because we love him. How do you know you love God? Look at the things that offend you. Look at the things that are able to keep you away from church. Uh, and any line that when the usher gave me, that's it. I'm very upset. You see, it's a love issue. It's a love issue. It's a love issue. If you love God, it doesn't matter what somebody does. It's not nice, but you get over it because I'm here. And Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. When you love God, it's not the only the music you enjoy. You actually enjoy the music, but it's not only that. Every aspect of anything about God, you are interested in holding. When the baby is crying, you will be let it disturb you, but the mother will take care of her. But you, you, just, <laughs> you, love, you love God. Tell someone, I love God. Sorry, I made a mistake. Don't say it if you don't love. No, ask the person rather, it's easier. Do you love God? You know why you are struggling with pornography? It's a love issue. Because Jesus said, if any man loves me, he will keep my commandments. He will keep instructions from God. Church instructions will not be burdensome when you love God. Haven't you realized how people who don't love God, haven't you realized how people who don't love God and are not crazy about you just like the way you are crazy, they have problems with the way you, you do things for God. The way you, ah, why did you allow them to always call you? Ah, you have to go to church. Sometimes you do it without even realizing it. Like a mother who hasn't eaten, sometimes she wouldn't even realize she hasn't eaten because thinking of how the children will eat. So mother doesn't even realize I've not been eating. Because of your love, your concentration, your love for God. You love God. When you love God, instructions from God are not laborious. Yes. Okay. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Yes, sir. Holy Ghost. That's it. God, the Spirit of God wants to rest on you so that he will shut down and shut Simon the sorcerer. He will shut him up permanently. But it cannot be done by your own strength because it takes the spirit. Someone operates in the spirit. Someone operates in the spirit. I'm telling you. Someone is operating in the spirit. Don't use natural skills to try and silence him. You can't. We need the Holy Ghost. If there's something you should desire, brothers and sisters, this morning my, mind, my message is simple. Desire more of the Holy Spirit. Desire more of the Holy Spirit. Desire more of the Holy Spirit. Bible talks about Luke chapter 2. A man, his name is Simon. Simon again. Luke chapter 2. In, in verse 24, 25, 26, thereabout. It talks about this man. He was, he's called Simon. When Jesus was born, he came into the temple. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. And this man was just and devout. And what? Watch this. And what? Waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what? And what? And the Holy I can't hear you. And the Holy I can't hear you. And the Holy There's a certain lifestyle when you live. It's easy for the Holy Spirit to be upon you. This man was just. He does the right things. And devout. He's committed. Devoted to the things of God. Your level of devotion will determine how the Holy Ghost can settle on you. Devoted. Devoted. He was devout. And he was just doing the right things. And he was devoted. When we say we are meeting for outreach, he's there. It, it, he, he has a leg problem, but he will still come. He has it, but he will leave the food and come. When we say we are meeting at eight, he's quickly there. Because he, he takes the work of the Lord serious. He's that devoted. Devout. Just and devout. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. The same man. 
When Jesus was born, people have not seen him, but he knew, he knew that. Look at the next verse. When Jesus was born, this, the Spirit of God came upon him. Watch this. He said, and, he be, and it, be, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus. Mm. Say the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Holy Spirit, come upon me. Say, Holy Spirit, come upon me. Look at the next verse. verse, verse the next verse. <laughs> so, watch this. So, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took the... Because he knew the Messiah has come. Why? He came by the Spirit. He came by the Spirit. He came by the Spirit. There are too many spiritless believers. Spiritless. Spiritless. God hasn't blessed me. I don't have a testimony. Oh, look at me. I'm coming to church. That is God. Okay, if you are there, let this speaker turn into a cat. If you are there, you are, you are spiritless. <laughs> the reason why people ask God, okay, God, if this is you, if it's you, if it's you, if you want me to marry this lady, when she comes to my house, let her come and sit on the bed. Let her not sit on the sofa. But you have put a lot of dirty stuff in the sofa. May I tell you something? The people who say, God, if it's you. <laughs> Jesus said, a daughter generation, we are always looking for a sign. Yeah. Oh, if it's, yeah, yeah. You love God enough that God, I am all out for you. Whatever you want, I'm good. Whatever, I'm ready. Whatever, I'm ready. Whatever demand you make, I'm ready. If it can be to my last, I'm ready. That's love. God will test your love. Mm. Wow. He will test your faith. But I see Holy Ghost coming upon some people. Wherever you work, in your company, the business you own, the schools you are, people begin to notice that the Holy Spirit is upon you. The, the solutions that you will be given, the answers and the solutions, the problems you will be solving, people will be amazed and ask, and will be saying that, no, this is a spirit. Bible says that they said about Paul that the ghosts have come to us in human flesh. They will say that about you because you shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. I see somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. I see someone being filled with the Holy Ghost. I pray for you Amen. that this whole church thing doesn't become just religion, but to become a realistic walk with the Holy Spirit. That when you are running low in the Holy Spirit, you work on yourself by your love factor, how devoted and committed you are. And the other ones I'll talk about later, time will not permit me. But the Holy Spirit on your life is what to silence Simon the sorcerer. It's what to deal with the Freemason spirit. It's what to do with that generational curse. It's not deliverance, just, just deliverance you need. You need the Holy Ghost upon your life. I see somebody's story changing from I see somebody's story. We are, I want to pray now for somebody. Please bow your heads with me. You want to say that, Pastor, pray for me. I know God has been speaking to me to start a new work with him. So the Holy Spirit can actually feel me and come upon my life. I want to be born again. I want to start working with him afresh. You are here. You want to say, you know God has been speaking to you as I spoke. That You know God has prepared you for this moment. You know you are actually hungry. You, are, you, are des you desire the Holy Spirit. You desire the Holy Spirit. You want so much of the Holy Spirit. But you know you have never experienced. You, are not you, you have not made yourself ready. But now you want to say I'm ready. And if, there's, if your heart is not for Jesus, if you love him, you open your heart for him. And if your heart is not for him, the spirit cannot come upon him. And I want to pray for some people, a special group of people. You are here, you want to say, Pastor, pray for me because I want to be born again. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want Jesus to come in my life first to be my Lord. I want to invite him to my life so I can start the work with him. If that's your genuine prayer, it's personal. And say this after me. Close. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you. But I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. From today, I repent of my sins and I invite you into my life to be my Lord and my Savior, I'll walk with you. I'll serve you. Holy Spirit, I'm ready. Fill me.
come upon my life so I can do God's work, so I can fulfill my assignment in God. Thank you, Jesus, for doing all this because you love me. I love you back by the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. They heard your voice and they've taken this step. I pray for strength. I pray for grace that they will grow strong in you and make a difference for the kingdom. That Simon the sorcerer, because of these ones, will be stopped and put in his tracks. Because of these ones, the kingdom will expand. Thank you that they heard your voice. I pray for grace upon your life that you'll be able to walk the walk and talk the walk, talk the talk, and make a difference for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.